Well, how many did your homework this week? All right, good. I'm proud of you. Thank you. We'll uh, start calling. Well, we'll just start on this side of the room and kind of work our way this way, if that's okay. But I'm going to go first just because I can. I know. Call me selfish. What can I say? Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. On this past week, Tuesday morning, this is my Thanksgiving testimony. This is my edification for and of the church and my heart saying thank you to the Lord. And I am going to call this my baby girl. Kind of an odd title when I'm the mother of two boys. But this is my baby girl. Between the hours of 6 and 7 in the morning on this past Tuesday morning, I had a dream from the Lord. I dreamt that Jim, my husband, for those who don't know, we were married 46 years, and we had these two amazing boys. And in this dream, I dreamed that Jim and I were on a road trip. So we decided to visit a church along the way on Sunday morning. And when we parked the car to go in, I went to the back door of the car and I got a baby girl out of the car seat. And Jim carried the, the diaper bag and we walked into the church together. The baby was about two months old, just an infant. And she was beautiful. She had very dark curly hair and in her hair was woven in and out of the curls a peach-colored ribbon. She had dark eyes and dark hair. Excuse me, dark eyes. She had dark hair and blue eyes like Jim and plump, rosy cheeks, maybe like me. She looked a lot like a foster baby that our mother kept when we were children, and her name was Gaylene. This, the baby that my mother kept, her name was Gaylene. And that baby was half Japanese and half Mexican, and she was beautiful, stunningly beautiful baby. And this baby in my dream looked a lot like that baby. When we entered the church, Jim turned to me and he said, I have to go now. And he handed me the diaper bag and he walked away. And I understood in my mind at that time in the dream that he was going to visit the pastor. So I was ushered up an escalator that moved extremely fast, like a split second, and we were up the escalator to the second story. And a lady in a blue suit escorted me up the escalator, and I carried the baby on my shoulder on the escalator, and we got to the second floor, and she showed me a good spot to sit right on an aisle seat, and I had plenty of room to put the diaper bag and for the baby's blanket and paraphernalia. 
The people were very sweet in the church, very kind and um, friendly people. And the man that was sitting on my uh, on the side said to me, that's such a beautiful baby you have. The children of the church assembled on the stage of the church, and they began to sing a song. And I noticed that each of the children had been given a wooden cone, a wooden uh, cone-shaped wood that had corrugated ridges all the way from the top of it to the bottom, and on each end was a brass cap. And they strummed it with their thumbs and fingers, and it made a beautiful sort of hollow sound when they played it. Then the pianist started playing the, the song that the children were going to sing, and as soon as she played the opening notes, I thought, oh, she's so good, she's so talented, but the piano isn't loud enough. And it was a very small console piano in a huge, large building, and there was no microphone in it. And I felt sorry for her because she was so talented and played so beautifully, but it couldn't be heard. The children finished their song and left the stage, and the baby began to get fussy. And I knew that it was time for her to eat, so I fixed a bottle for her, and I pulled the ribbon out of her hair, and it came out in one two-foot-long piece of peach-colored ribbon. And I gave her her bottle, and she fell asleep in my arms, and I woke up. Are you all sitting on the edge of your seat? I consulted the book that I have, the Bible Dream Symbology Dictionary, and this is what it said. A baby represents being given responsibility over something new, something delicate, something that is totally dependent upon you to take care of it, to supply all of its needs, it represents a new birth, a new ministry, a business, or something in infancy stage. It could be a new move of God, a work or a relationship. It could be a reward or fruitfulness represented by the baby. And in scripture specifically represents the new covenant. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1, Paul wrote, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as a spiritual man, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it, and even now you are not able to receive. In Genesis 21 and 6, Sarah had a baby, you recall, and she said, God has made laughter for me, and everyone who hears about it will laugh with me. So a single woman dreaming of a baby indicates that something new is coming into her life that will bring great joy and fulfillment. 
And the baby girl represents the newness, the spiritual gift, the ministry that is beginning in the person. And here are my thoughts. I always wanted a baby girl when I was a young woman. And I was sure that I was having a girl both times. And I only picked out girl names. And that name was Dana Marie. But Jim wouldn't let me name the boys Dana Marie, so I didn't get to use that name. And I want to tell you, I am in no way sorry that I had boys. No way sorry. God was wise in giving me boys and gracious to me because I can't stand drama. I can't stand the worry. I can't stand all the things that come along with raising girls, which I absolutely adore my granddaughters too. But I'm glad God gave me boys. He gave us two amazing sons. So where's my baby girl? And this is what the Lord quickened to my heart that this ministry has become my baby girl. No, I can't put bows in your hair, and I can't make pretty frilly dresses for you to wear. But I take you to the Lord in prayer, and I ask him to do amazing things in your lives and to make himself real and to show himself in ways that you haven't seen before. And I want him to be so proud of you. Parents are so proud of their baby. They want to show it off to the world. Everybody to see an ooh and awe over the new life that's come. And when I take you before the Lord... I want him to be so proud of who you are in him and glorified by you and by this ministry. My baby girl, <laughs> I want all the new and all the infant ministry things to be here in this place that people can walk in and say, oh, the anointing of the Lord is so strong in this place and that we grow and we develop and we blossom according to his plan. And that he will see the fully matured, developed, complete children that we are of him, regardless of the gender. But I'm going to call you my baby girl, if that's okay, because he gives us the desires of our heart Sometimes we don't recognize what it looks like, but sometimes it's a blessing in disguise. And with that, I'm done, and I want to turn the pulpit over to each one of you because I want to hear what the Lord has put in your heart. Joey, we're going to start with you because you're the farthest back on that side. Is that okay? All right, so I had, I'll talk about a dream also, all right, a while back I had. It was a dream. In this dream, there was a castle. But people were visiting it because it was no longer functioning. And in the, in the middle of the castle was a well, like a water well. And it ran all the way to the bottom. And it went all the way up to the top. And I was up at the top. Closer? 
Oh. All right. And I was at the top, and on the top of this well was like these little steps going down, this water well. And it was supposed to be the old steps that the kings from the past used to walk in. But everyone, it was not functioning. Everyone was just going there like as a, as a tour, right? But I was up at the top, and it, it was supposed to be forbidden to do this. And I was trying to walk in these old steps that went down, and it was so hard. Like, you had to balance right. And um, there was more to the dream, but that's the part I wanted to, to talk about. So when I woke up, you know, there's interpretations to dreams. So I was like, God, like, what does this even mean? And he finally told me what it meant. He's like... People think that the ways that I used to operate, like in miracles and things like that, he, he think, they think that's just the past. This is something that they can just visit, that it's not, not operational anymore. And he was telling me, like, but I, like, I want you to operate in those things, right? So the word God gave me today is to tell you that God is still a God of miracles, right? He still does the impossible. And the things that you read about in the Old Testament God's still the same. He'll do, he'll do things and to not lose that faith and that hope. So what he showed me was a, a story that we all know was in the Bible, the disciples were in a storm, right? But Jesus, it says, was on a mountain. He was praying to the Father. And so in this storm, we see that how God begins to operate. In your storm, God will send you who? The Word. He sends you Jesus. But Peter... Uh, the Lord spoke to Peter and said, come. And this is the main point, that Peter obeyed what the Lord said. And when he obeyed that, then something supernatural happened, something miraculous. So the Lord began to teach me that obedience is the key to me working with you and to me doing these miraculous things. And then he brought me to the book of Mark, where he gives these list of things that those who believe in him and will be baptized, these signs will follow. You know, casting out demons, speaking in tongues. Like, but if you read the last part, it says, and the disciples went forth and they obeyed. And it says, and the Lord worked with them. So I'm starting to see this pattern. And then I go to the book of Acts, and it says God was working these like special miracles through the hands of Paul. But why? Because Paul was in, I, think, I believe he was in Ephesus or Asia. He was preaching there for two years. He was in obedience. So the Lord began to tell me through all this, like, I still do these things. I still do these miracles. But we have to be sensitive to his voice and how he's leading us. And in every situation, just look for the word because that's what he's trying to speak to you. He's going to send you Jesus, the word. That's why it says in the Old Testament, he says, I sent my word and healed them and delivered them. And when we obey is when the Lord begins to work with us. And when the Lord works with us, that's when supernatural things happen. That's when the miraculous happens. That's when that promise you've been waiting for comes to you. And one last thing was John the Baptist is a great example of this. Because, you know, God will speak to every one of us prophetically. He'll give you words. He'll show you glimpses of your future. You know, he gives you evidence in the unseen realm. These are these dreams, these visions, these words. So John the Baptist, he had this word, right? that he, he went to prepare the way of the Lord, and he had this word, and God the Father told him, the one that you see the dove descending upon, he's the one. So can you imagine he's in the wilderness, and he's just uh, preaching repentance. There's coming this one, baptizing people. But he's in this wilderness, 
He's eating, it says, locusts and wild honey. And he didn't depart from where the Lord put him. That's the main thing, even though it was seemed dry, right? But then there came a day that the prophetic word met him there. So what I'm saying is we got to stay in obedience, even though it seems like we're in the wilderness, that we're in a dry place, because it's there that the promise is going to come meet you, that that word's going to come meet you. So my testimony today is I thank God all the things he's brought me out of and all the miraculous things he's done in my life. But the one part is we have to be obedient and never forget that God still does miracles today. Amen? So that's what I'm thankful for today. Amen. So when I was driving last week, I was asking God, what do you want me to talk about in church? Because I don't want to just be in here, you know, up here and just like say whatever I want to say. When I speak, I want it like from him, the word to come from him. So when I was driving, he said, speak about the story how God led Moses, told Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. And what I get from it is that, you know, how God led those people out of Egypt, they have been through a lot and they doubted, right? But when they get out of Egypt, they went to the promised land where God wanted them to be. But there's a lot of stuff that they left behind. But when they got to the promised land, yes, they were thankful. They were grateful that God had put them there. But after a while, they went back on their old ways. And in our lives, too, and I was thinking of it as well, and I'm thinking how I do this in my own life, how when I'm asking God for something, a breakthrough, and yes, he delivered me from it. And then when I'm facing a new struggle, I'm doubting again, not like he had bought me on the other one out, right? So he reminds me to, to look back on what he had brought us out of and to remember who he is and how faithful he is to us and to not run to the old things Right, because there's things that we run on, knowing that we're not supposed to go back into. And also he reminds me, and he wants me to share, because I, I grew up in the Philippines, and you know, it's not just the Philippines, there's different parts of the country that are not as fortunate as us. So in the Philippines, there's like train tracks, right? Here it's a lot better. In the Philippines, there's train tracks, and people that don't have houses, they build houses on the side of the train tracks. And you'll see kids running around and playing. But I see them, right? When you see people like that, they're like sad or like, you know, like you're like tormented. But these kids are like laughing and smiling. And it's like when you see it, you're like, why are they so happy? You know, they don't have anything. They have this house. You know, some of them doesn't even have a job. But it's what we focus on. You know, what, where do your mind is set on? Your heart even. Because these people, they're probably grateful for what they have. You know, they know they have what they need. And it's, you know, it's in their nature to ask for more. But... It's always good to be grateful for what we have and what God has given us. 
And just be thankful. You know, he says, give thanks to the Lord at all times because his love endures forever. So that's my, that's my morning. Thank you. Morning, everybody. So <clears throat> what I'm thankful for is my salvation. I'm thankful for the heritage that we had growing up at this church of the miracles that we've seen. If you didn't know, Debbie is my oldest sister and Jan's my youngest sister. And so we were here from the time we were two weeks old. We, we were here. But the heritage of our salvation that we were able to learn and accept Christ as our Savior here in this church. Even though I don't go here now, I, my heart is here because this is where I grew up. But the heritage of those miracles that we can remember, those healings, the salvations that we've seen come through the church here. But one of the things that I wanted to um, remember was the anointing that this church always carried. They were very adamant about basing all of the teaching on the Bible. Never did they all fall away from that. They were very, very conscientious about using the full scripture of the Bible and um, the anointing of God. And I really appreciate that portion of the heritage that I was able to glean from that as growing up here. Another thing I'm thankful for is my home. I'm very, very grateful. There's, I live, we moved from here and we moved up to Placerville and we get snow. We live in Camino and we get snow. There's homeless people there and they have tents that they live out in that snow in. And every time we drive by, I tell my husband, I'm very grateful. I am not on the side of the freeway in a tent in that snow. I couldn't even do it when there wasn't snow. So I'm very grateful for my home. Even though it's away from my family, I'm grateful for my home. <clears throat> I'm thankful for my husband that I've been very blessed and privileged to have a good husband that loves me and cares for me. I'm thankful for that. I'm also thankful for driving here um, because it's a long ways and um, driving by myself can be scary. There's a lot of traffic and uh, construction in Sacramento and um, you have to be really focused on where you're going to make sure you're going on the right um, exit to get to where I need to go towards Los Angeles and not Redding and not towards San Francisco. And so thank God I was able to do that. And I'm also thankful our son wrecked a Mini Cooper this last month, I believe it was, and he, he flipped it. It didn't roll this way, it flipped end over end. And um, he's 6'1", and the Mini Cooper's a real small little car. It had a sunroof, and um, I was just telling the, my family a little earlier that he told us, he said, 
All he could think about was holding onto the steering wheel and keeping crouched down so close to the steering wheel because it kept trying to pull him out of the sunroof. And um, he was able to, God, we know it was God that did it. He said he felt like it was in a slow motion kind of environment and he kept flipping and flipping and he was holding on, holding on. And he said his shoulder kept trying to push out of the sunroof and he got a little road rash on his uh, arm and tore up his clothes. But basically he was, came out of it mostly unscathed. And I'm very thankful for that because that could have been a very, very serious situation. Now, on a lighter note, I had a thought about Debbie's dream that she had and what the newness of the baby girl was going to be. Let me hold this this way. I thought maybe you were going to be breeding Indies. Doug has a new dog named Indy. Okay. Okay. This happened actually right after I hurt my back, and I thought, I, so I was at church in a different church than here um, with, with Jamie and her family, which I've only been to a couple times together um, because her and I haven't gone to church together a whole lot recently. But we did a couple times in the last couple years, and one of those times there happened to be a guest speaker, and his name was Sergio Sanchez. And he called people to the front to pray for them, and mostly was just praying for people. But when he came to, it was me, Andrew, and Jamie together, he began to prophesy. And what he, he started with Andrew, and he took hold of Andrew's hand, and he said, I hear the Lord say, he is breaking the mindset of limitation. And then he put his hand on his head, and he said, here on the left side of the head, there is nothing wrong with you. No doctor can diagnose you. You've been blessed and seated in heavenly places, and I'm breaking the torment of the mind. You will be able to think on your own and process things on your own. No more limitations. And he asked Andrew to repeat after him, Deliver me from oppression and set me free. And in the next, he said, in the next three weeks, you're going to begin to see that you are thinking better and that you are processing things better. And God says he will begin speaking to you in dreams. No more being tormented even in your dreams. There is nothing wrong with you. You are my son and I love you. God is touching your heart too. I hear the Lord say he is healing your eyes too. I am bringing healing to your eyes. And then he came to me, and I thought he put his hand on my back, and I thought for sure he was going to talk about healing my back because I had a back brace on, and he felt it. And then he moved his hand, and he spoke to me, and he said, don't be so hard on yourself. The Lord sees the flaws and shortcomings. And then he said something that wasn't... I had to listen to this in a recording, and I couldn't quite make out the next part, but it was something like... You, you think that you will keep failing or something like that. And he said, try again. I'm with you. Sorry, it's hard. He said, the Lord says that you're going to see such a tremendous change in your household. He said, I don't know if you're 
if you have other children, because I was only there with Andrew. And I said, I did. And he said, well, you pray for them a lot, and I see a resistance in some of them. You continue walking in the fruits of the Spirit, continue leading by example. He is lifting the tension in the household. He said, more unity and love. He says, you're going to find yourselves, you and your wife, having a greater time at home. It's going to be like all my family is here, not like everybody distant in their own place in the home. Everybody together in unity because that's what you've been fighting for. He said, I see resistance. He said, I see witchcraft because of resistance, but it breaks. You've been faithful with the small, and your labor is not in vain. He sees that you walk in the upright way. Your life is making sure that it glorifies him. I am well pleased with you. And then he turned to my wife, Jamie, and he said, Lord, I pray that you would embrace her, that you would drive out every hurt. God said he is removing the disappointments. There have been a lot of disappointments, and it seems like every time it gets better, it gets worse. But the Lord said, I'll fix it now. I'm with you. He said, I never left you. God says this tough season is just temporary, and that the joy that you've been asking for, you say, I just want the joy that I used to have. God says it's coming. Receive it now. And that was the end of the prophecy. And it's been a couple years, but I'm still holding on to this. And I feel like the time is coming where God is going to do what he said in that word for me and for my family. There was one more, if I can find it. Um, yeah. A man that I don't know came up to me, and he said, I have a word from the Lord for you, and it's a scripture. And it's 2 Chronicles twenty seventeen, And it says, but you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or disappointed. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. So I read this, and I pray that I see God move. Thank you. So like Terry, um, I'm very thankful for the foundation of this church. For those of you that don't know, Jan, Terry, and Debbie, their mother is my mother's sister. So we're all first cousins. <coughs> Excuse me. And I was raised in this church since I was born. Been here for 53 years. Um, thankful for the upbringing that I've had here. And growing up, it was not embarrassing, but kind of scared to bring a stranger here because if we had one of those services, and the people that were raised here know what I'm talking about. Um, screaming, shouting, Holy Spirit everywhere. And I was about eight or nine years old, and it was one of our Sunday night services, and it was one of those. And all the rest of the kids were back there. It was me and Nita, and I don't remember who else. And I see my Aunt Autry, which is their mom. And she was, very, she was like Debbie. She's very, no drama, she just... To the point, that's Ann Autry. She was right down here. And this woman was going nuts. And I thought some fight or something happened, but she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't just like, you know, da -da, it was like, and I'm just like, what happened? What happened to this woman? Because that is not how she acts. But she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And just seeing that kind of stuff 
raised in a church like that with this kind of foundation and instilled into me, which I've instilled into my children. And I want to thank my family and my church family for praying for my son during this whole army stuff, all his injuries, all his paramedic stuff. It's just nonstop. I feel like a broken record every time I'm here. Please pray for Tyler. Please pray for Tyler. It's just, it doesn't stop. But I wrote the kid 72 letters while he was gone. I wrote him a letter every single day he was gone. And I started sending scripture. And that changed my perspective with God, not my perspective, but my relationship with God was more strong. And I asked Tyler, she sent him a full page letter too with a bunch of scripture and my, the rest of them sent cards and letters and I am very, very thankful for that and so is he. And I asked him, I said, has this changed your relationship with God? And he said 100% because every second of every day he had to lean on him with his injuries and how he's turned again with his wrist, but he is saying it's doing a little better. His foot is still super swollen. But I owe all of you a deep gratitude for keeping him in your prayers nonstop. It's deeply appreciated. And my daughter, she's gone through a lot lately. And she also has a foundation that I've instilled in her to lean on him when things aren't going well. And you know he's always there for you, no matter what's going on in your life. And I hope you continue this with your children, whether it be in this church or whatever church, it doesn't matter. This is always going to be my church, my home church. I've been here since day one. And no matter what happens in my life, this is always the comfort of home. And I just want to thank everybody, and I'm very grateful for every single one of you here. I wrote mine down. I, I was going to talk about how the church has shaped my morals, my core values. And then as I was talking to friends yesterday, I realized it's not the church as a building, as a place we come to, but it's us in here. We're the, we are the church. We're the souls that make this church. It's not this building, although it's very dear to my heart. Um, and we were in this church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night. Every time the doors were open, we were here. School night, it didn't matter. Sick, we were here. We laid on the pew. This has been my church my whole life. Um, about what Terry talked to about, like the healings and the services and all that, I... We live two hours away from here now. Terry lives three hours away from here. And we've had a very hard time finding churches over there where the spirit's allowed to move. It's just very scheduled. There's no stopping to wait for a moment or stopping to pray for somebody in need. It's just very scheduled and cold. And so me and Lori will come two hours to come to church to get what we need. Like the drive is nothing because we know what we're going to get when we get here. 
So it, it doesn't bother me at all. The legacy of this church has been strong and endearing. And I'm so thankful for my family, for my upbringing, my mom, dad, grandparents, all of us. Um, but now it's just me and my sisters left. Our parents are gone, but I'm so thankful for them, them backing me, standing behind me. I know they pray for me. I'm thankful that we have such a strong bond. A lot of siblings don't have that, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, I'm thankful that Jesus is allowed to move here, heal here, renew people here, calm and restore us. And I'm so thankful that he lives here. And a Bible verse that I love is be still and know that I am God. A song that I love is we are standing on holy ground because whenever we're here, I truly feel that. And a saying that I love and me and Lori say it all the time and Debbie preached on it is to stay in his wake. It's hard whenever 99.99% of the congregation is family. You're not going to hear the same things over and over, but it just is a testimony to that this is such a grounding place for all of us. When Debbie asked for us to share a testimony or anything that would edify the church and give thanks to God, my mind was racing with so, so many things that I could say, I literally could go on for hours and hours and hours and hours. <laughs> I'll keep it to 30 minutes. <laughs> I'm kidding. Stop. This church has been my home since before I was born in my mama's belly. You can only imagine the amount of stories that I could share. But a few things definitely stand out. This church was filled with 30 to 40 members of my family every week. We had some of the best teachers, preachers, like Terry was mentioning. And um, when you're growing up, Kids, when you're growing up and you are at church, how many congregations could you walk into and the church be your family? And as a young person, and even as an adult, that could be a two-edged sword. Because your family, we were so close and we did everything together. And when you're in church and you're having those ups and downs and That, that battle that we fight inside sometimes with our beliefs and your family is there and they're supporting you and they're loving you, but they're also holding you accountable. You don't want to, we never want to disappoint. Debbie is her mom made over. <laughs> and my Aunt Autry, I thought she hated me for so long because she was so strict and stern with me. That woman loved me and my sister to pieces. These women loved us to pieces. And that helped strengthen me and my 
my belief and my, it, this church means more to me. And like Jan said, it's not just these walls. It is these walls with these people. And when you can go to church your whole life surrounded by your family, my family left us. They left me and my sister and my mom and my new stepdad went to Texas. And when that happened, it tore us. It tore us more than they could ever imagine because they were all still together in Texas. We were alone. And it changed who we were becoming. And I absolutely believe in my heart that if we were all still together here, if all of our kids were still together here every Sunday, like we were brought up, held with that accountability to God, held to that accountability to our family, to our church family, that we would probably all be in different, you know, in a, in a different place. But that's not what God has presented to us. So those memories, that foundation, that, that, that unconditional love, but that accountability still stays in my heart every single day. And I am beyond thankful for that. I am beyond thankful for Debbie, for the things that she brings and that she is we don't ever want to disappoint Debbie. Terry, that compassionate person. Jan, who I've grown, my, just, I am so grateful for my family and for them being so strong in God and keeping us together. And um, the one more thing, I'm just going to, the other thing that I am beyond grateful for is Chris, what Christy was mentioning. If you have never been to a revival, if you have never experienced a revival, you don't know what you're missing. You do not know what you're missing. The teachers, the preachers, being here for 14 days straight, you know, being exhausted going to school and being here and being swept away, Sister Huggy, Sister Cook, the golfs. I mean, it just, it's, it is, it is such a, um, it, it really does affect your spirit. It, it strengthens you. It, it, um, it's just something that I wish that we still had more of just in general. How many places have revivals? I think our country needs to have more revivals again. But there's so many preachers out there preaching only what Terry and Debbie were mentioning, only preaching about the grace and you know that unconditional love, which is always there. But there's also that accountability that I am so grateful to my family and this church and the teaching that happened and so thankful that God brought all of it into my life. Um, because I think it has made me who I am, good, bad, ugly, indifferent. Um, it's definitely made me who I am, and I am beyond grateful to that. I wrote it down too. I hate public speaking, and it's weird because I was sitting in church. I'm like, how am I going to do this? 
And lo and behold, Joshua one night came to me. <clears throat> says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And I truly believe that. I've never felt more at peace than I do when I walk through the doors of Calvary Temple. I don't want to. It has always been a place of love and family for me, as every one of us have mentioned. It grounds me and it resets my heart and soul when I'm here. And when I'm here, I feel the presence of my grandpa and my Uncle Jim, who were both pillars of this church for me and so many others. I miss them every day. I miss hearing each play the guitar. So Donnie, I love when you're up here on the bass guitar. One of my favorite songs that we sing is We Fall Down. The lyrics of the greatness of mercy and love. At the feet of Jesus is where I feel the most safe. I think um, that the Bible says don't be anxious. And so that's, I don't know a lot about the Bible and my memory's not that great, but I remember that. And I remember whenever I feel anxious, and have anxiety in me, I remember not to be anxious. And, and a good Christian will not be anxious. And um, basically, that's it. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, let's see. I just, I think I should recount some of the things that the Lord has done for me. Um, number one, wooing me um, as a teenager. Um, well, actually, I could go straight back to when I was little, and my mom would play some Bible movies and stories, and um, I just knew, and my grandma would emphasize that Jesus is the Son of God, and he died for our sins, and so I just knew like, that God was real and that Jesus is real. What I didn't understand was how to have a personal relationship with God. So um, when I met Don my senior year of high school, um, Debbie invited me to church and I came here on a Sunday night and I experienced the presence of God for the first time in the worship service and um, I just was drawn to the worship and so I just kept coming back to return to the experience the presence of the Lord um, not knowing a personal relationship with him and then um, throughout that year I would come every evening service and then after service we'd go to dinner and then I'd ask tons of Bible questions right and they'd answer my my questions and so they sort of mentored me in that way so that I could find out depths of things that I needed to know and then by the end of that year I decided that I wanted to commit myself to the Lord and um this love relationship with Jesus um, came forth, and I got to like it. It was like Song of Solomon. I was leaping, you know, spiritually. Like it was like I was leaping to church just to like be there and like get that love from him and get that embrace from him and experience his his 
just everything that he wa wanted to offer me. Um, and I had lots of, lots of things to ask for prayer for. And everyone, we would gather together here in the front and we would pray over one another's needs. And there was prayer at our seats and just the prayer um, times were so fruitful for me for there was things that you know, the enemy had sowed seeds of, you know, doubt, lies, all these different things that needed to be uprooted so they didn't have a chance to grow and take over and the truth would be planted in my heart instead. And so um, there was, um, so the Lord, he, he delivered me out of different things. Um, and then, you know, later I was at San Jose State and I decided that I would glorify the Lord every single moment. And so all my, my, songs I, I um that I was in the music department for a little bit and so all my songs were spirit filled and then I left the music department went to creative arts and uh, we were doing these creative writings and they're all about the Lord and um I don't know I just shared the gospel everywhere I could and so um so he made me bold he helped me be bold in those situations because I had been uh shyer and you know worried about worried about a lot of what people were thinking and so he helped me have that courage um and then uh i had asked god to deliver me from anxiety and that one was like a slow process so that wasn't like overnight but he did and then someone came here and prophesied that god wanted to deliver a few people from anxiety um and uh it, it was just a slow process and actually to be honest it was um it was me going through depression um, that got me to a place of emptiness and um, like I would call it soul death. And I, um, I knew that like I didn't, I didn't feel like it was right for me personally to, to have like any medication for it, but um, I literally just felt empty and that life had no flavor um, and there was just nobody to to help me get out of it. And I, I was just turning off the TV. I was just worshiping, praying, um, seeking the Lord. And um, um, he just, he just, um, yeah, I, it, the depression was just so severe, but it, it, he showed to me, like he described it to me in my mind, like it was like a winter. And so in the trees in the winter, they go dormant and you don't see the life and you don't see the leaves and the, you know, but it's, it's some of the branches get broken off in the wind and the storm. And um, then in the spring, the, you know, the life comes back and the leaves and then you become, it can be fruitful. So not every season is a fruitful season. Um, and so I was going through a season, and then when the spring came back, it was slow, so this was over time, but, but once the spring came back, I had not worried so much about people-pleasing that had broken off, and so he doesn't waste anything, um, and another thing that he did um, was he healed uh, a lot of my allergies, <laughs> so, I mean, he is the healer, and I asked him to, and I think that had to do with anxiety and stress on my body. And so once I wasn't as worried all the time, the Lord allowed that my body to, to work properly. Um, and then I, um, remember watching, um, Pat Robertson, which is CBN. And, um, I was in my living room and I had this knot in my shoulder that wouldn't go away. And he asked, um, 
the people in the audience, if you have a, something that's painful in your body and you need healing, then just ask the Lord to heal it. So just touch it. And so I touched my shoulder and I asked the Lord to heal it. And in that moment, like it just went away completely, like an instant miracle. Some miracles are slow and long and some are instant. And so he showed to me so many things. Um, and I'm just thankful that, like you all have said, that the Lord hears us and he, um, he does personally, I feel like, customizes his, his ways and his relationship with us. So each one of us has our own unique relationship with the Lord and um, so thankful we could share it with one another. Um, there's so much more, but once again, um, just thankful for this, this church, this um, beautiful body of Christ and what the Lord has done for me. Um, I don't really have anything to say, but I did have some verses that I wanted to read that um, were really important to me lately. It's um, in Isaiah chapter 40, and it's not, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I'm going to read some verses from it. Um, so, sorry, just find it. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare to him? He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. To whom then will you liken me, or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. And so that was just lately to me really important because everyone changes their mind. Everyone decides that they don't like a person that they were friends with. Everyone, everyone, you know, they get into power and their whole personality can change, but not God. His will stays the same. He doesn't change his mind. And he still loves all of us the same every single day. He won't change his mind about us and he will love us forever. Um, so my thing is going to be a little short, but it's about a spark of interest I had in the Bible recently. So we have these packets where we read the Bible and write it down in like a questions on our, at our school. And so I was doing that and I was reading the Bible to get answers, but I just kept on reading the Bible instead of writing the answers down and kept kept happening over and over again and I noticed it and um I started to enjoy the Bible more and not like a chore what it used to be like a chore and it it started feeling more like a blessing which it is like the blessing we or a good blessing um, made by people inspired by God that I'm really glad to read.
I just wanted to say that I'm thankful for having a wonderful family and a roof over my head. I'm thankful for the same things as him, except my life and all the animals that we're able to have. Mom just sent me out to see who is that in the kitchen, maybe eating all of our pizza, but it was Becky. And uh, she just said to continue to pray for Sister Watson because she's very sad that she can't be here. And she said, if I can't be in church, then what good am I? Well, I told her we already prayed for her, but we're going to continue to pray for her. Now, <clears throat> am I last? Okay, so every minute I take is another minute that the pizza out there is getting cold. So, and I have handouts, so hopefully um, we don't take too long. If I could get help just handing these out. Here, you're okay, okay. Um, I'll just try and put this in context. I know that uh, Thanksgiving is obviously over, but it is still uh, November. We didn't sing any Christmas songs today because we're not in December yet. So, but we are really close. And we are, obviously, we're, we're decorating for Christmas today. Um, I had a conversation with a friend last night, and uh, forgive me for getting a little bit political, but in this conversation, we were just trying to understand between us how this next year is going to go. Obviously, it's an election year. One of the candidates for president is being tried in like half the states uh, for some crime, and yet he's going to be the only candidate for one party for this election. There is, we have seen, and I prayed earlier, we prayed for the things going on around the world. There are a lot of weird things going on around the world, a lot of awful things going on around the world. And yet, I really truly believe that God is moving all around the world. Um, and it's just, what we settled on is that we're going to see an interesting year ahead. And that if it gets darker in the world, it is our time to shine and to do what we're here to do as a church. And if so... We'll be ready in prayer, in supplication. We will be ready to do what the Lord has us to do as a salt and light of this world and as his hands and feet. In that context, I want to read this. And I would just say consider the contrast between what this says about a government of a people and what we see in our government today. There's a lot of room for growth and to get back to the foundations of where we started. I'll start. Thanksgiving Proclamation, New York, October 3rd, 1789, by the President of the United States of America. A proclamation. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and to humbly implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me, quote, to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer, to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and their happiness. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th of November next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, 
that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country previous to their becoming a nation, for the signal and manifold mercies and the favorable interpositions of his providence, which we experienced in the course and the conclusion of the late war, for the great degree of tranquility, union, and plenty, which we have since enjoyed for the peaceable and rational manner in which we have been enabled to establish constitutions of government for our safety and happiness, and particularly the national one now lately instituted for the civil and religious liberty with which we are blessed, and the means we have of acquiring and diffusing useful knowledge, and in general, for all the great and various favors which he hath been pleased to confer upon us. And also that we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and the ruler of nations and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions to enable us all whether in public or private stations, to perform our several and relative duties properly and punctually to render our national government a blessing to all the people by constantly being a government of wise, just, and constitutional laws discreetly and faithfully executed and obeyed to protect and guide all sovereigns and nations, especially such as have shown kindness unto us and to bless them with good government, peace, and concord, to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue and the increase of science among them and us, and generally to grant unto all mankind such a degree of temporal prosperity as he alone knows to be best. Given under my hand in the city of New York the third day of October in the year of our Lord, 1789, George Washington. Well, I truly believe that we started in a place of favor of God and then that favor has not left our, left our nation, but that we should continually seek him for the, the, the favor and the peace and the prosperity of this nation that as this says, we can be a blessing to all nations, an example to all nations and all mankind. I believe that's how God founded this nation and it's where God will continue to um, anchor this nation as his people here pray for that end. I also believe, and as part of that conversation last night, that the enemy thinks that the end is coming near because it appears that he is attempting to blow everything up, One, whether literally or just uh, in small fires here and there, he seems to be raging again. Whether it's God's time to return, I don't know. But if he th seems to think so, I'd say we should be prepared um, I, I'm, in he, I mean the enemy, in, in causing all these stirs. As we've seen in the past, as we've talked about before, World War II, Israel, you know, the Jews, what they endured during that time, there's been seasons in the past that have looked like the end. And we may be there and we may not be there, but in any event, we should seek God for this nation and for our leadership 
and that he continued to let America be what America was founded to be. I give thanks for this church, as, as has been said so well by so many before, I give thanks for this church and for mom in leading this church at this time, a very important time, a very providential time. And I pray that the Lord continue to bless this church and each and every one of you, and that we see this nation continue to be what it was founded to be. And, that it, and one thing that really struck me was that our president, George Washington, sought the Lord for forgiveness for the transgressions of a nation. Daniel did the same thing in captivity, seeking God for the sins of a nation. And I'd suggest we should do the same. Seek God for his forgiveness and pardon for the sins of a nation. Thank you. Well, if I could ask my beautiful baby girl to stand. <laughs> I love every one of you and I'm so proud of every one of you for what you've done today. Thank you. Thank you for participating, and I know the Lord is pleased as punch with his children. Father, we're so grateful, so thankful, as so many have said, for your presence that lives within us and among us, O oh God. It is the thing that we strive for most when we gather together, Lord, to worship your name. It is to entertain your precious Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray today that you would bless this food that we're about to consume. I pray that we consume all of it, Lord, to the glory of God. And bless us in our efforts, Lord, to beautify and edify this beautiful church that you've blessed us with. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>